morning, church. How are we doing this morning? That's wonderful. I love hearing that. Um, just a couple of things. I want to thank everyone that helped out, especially as Diane Mittendorf and Mark and all those that volunteered for the blood drive. They um, actually exceeded their quota. That's a nice thing. And so let's give a hand to them. Thank you so much uh, for all your help in that. Just a reminder to keep uh, Kathleen Scalarud and the family in your prayers. Uh, Jim's uh, uh, service, funeral service, will be this Saturday, this coming Saturday here, um, from nine to ten. There'll be a time of visitation, and then ten thirty around that time, ten fifteen, ten thirty, uh, we'll start the service here and uh, uh, have a have a time of lunch. Uh, committal service will be uh, down the road and with immediate family at Fort Snelling, as Jim was a, a veteran in the Army. And so uh, just thank you for your continued prayers for uh, Kathleen. Uh, let's see. There we have communion today. Now it's going to be different because I, I don't see the tables up here. So you all received your communion elements, and hopefully you didn't sit on them. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm going to probably be reminded about that when we get to that, and that it's not <clears throat> a huge battle to open them up, but we're trying something different, so bear with us. <clears throat> Amen. Who wants to hear some good news? <clears throat> Let's please. <laughs> so we have a Lee Kramer's family up here, amazing family, Taylor and his brother and extended family, family, and, and so many of you know that Lee, uh, a few weeks ago shared about he was going down to Mexico and Sanaviv for treatment and uh, I'm going to let him share the bulk of it but he's been texting and I know family and I'm just going to touch on briefly uh, him going down there and getting special treatment for the two weeks which is very intense he showed me a sent me the schedule one day was nuts like after every 15-20 minutes they had him doing something they had him doing something very intense regimen and uh, so he says with one day to go, so I believe it's tomorrow he flies back uh, sometime this week, uh, he would say this, uh, it's pretty close to say he said I did. It was pretty easy but yet difficult at the same time. And he said that that place, Sonavi, is the real deal. He said, I have eaten over 70 different foods in the past six days. <laughs> and the reason that people are applauding is because when he left here, there was only a certain water and uh, yams and venison, like that was his diet. It was, and, and he lost a lot of weight. Uh, he said, somewhat minor discomforts, but none with ma major issues. I came to San Aviv at 126 pounds. Hope I can share this. I weigh 134. And so <clears throat> he talks about he was able to read through the whole New Testament, and he's grateful to everyone that has prayed and stood with him. And, and then also uh, he, he mentioned about uh, how horrible this disease is and that, that uh, his heart was that, uh, uh, that, that people would be healed through this, and he has very strong convictions of that. Uh, at first, they did not accept him down there because of the food restrictions, and I was praying. I was like, okay, you got to make it down there. If you got to bring the venison on the plane, whatever you got to do, get down there. And um, he says that initially they reject, rejected him, he said his case was too challenging, is what they said. 
He said, they are completely shocked at my turnaround, so much that they are now will be accepting all applicants with Lyme's disease down there because of what's happened in the transformation. I know that he has a month in, in March. So he's going to have some stem cell at Kabul. And so we're just thrilled about uh, even how everything worked out with work and the family. And there was an avalanche of giving, an avalanche of giving to pay for this whole thing for him. Let's give praise to God for that, please. Amazing. That is amazing testimony and so wonderful for the family here, and, and we love Lee, and, and uh, we'll see him again, and he's going to be able to testify firsthand of what's happened. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we, we thank you for this moment, this divine moment. We sense your presence here because we are gathered in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for utterance that I would share your heart to your people. I humble myself before you, and I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. Rhema words, words of instruction, comfort, exhortation, challenge. Lord, you are still Christ the healer. Heal your people today, I pray. Supernaturally do a work in their minds and their hearts. And Lord, we just thank you for this moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to touch on, and I'm going to do a little PowerPoint here, so uh, hopefully we can make this work, about true worship and the importance of our role in worship, our role in worship. And I really feel and, and believe that, that God wants to bring harvest to a new level of worship. Let me explain. Harvest to a new level of worship. And some things I'm kind of, kind of start off on about kind of why this series. But I've actually was digging into some teaching about, it talks about in Revelation and in Ezekiel about the four living creatures and uh, how they are around the throne. And there's the 24 elders and some believe 12 of them are the foundation apostles and others of uh, uh, leaders. But these four living creatures are the foundation or the four faces and they represent certain things symbolically, and there's been teaching on that. Uh, but one of the teachings that I've heard, I thought I, I, it resonates with me, that the four faces represent grace, prayer, worship, and servanthood. And that these, these living creatures, as they, as they worship the Lord, they would cast down their crowns, and every time they went before the the face of the Lord, they would say, holy, holy, holy. They received the new facet of revelation of God, and this has been going on for eternity. We will never exhaust the magnificence, the omnipotence of God in all of eternity. There's so much more. No matter what you think you know, God is eternal. And every time they see a new facet of the Lord and there's this worship. But, but the representation of these four foundations, uh, actually, they need to be represented in a local church. Every local church. And, uh, and so, so some of us, you know, we receive uh, the, the foundation of grace and we are born again. And we love the teaching of grace. Can I get an amen? And, and, but there are certain churches that, that God bless them, they, that's all they focus on. And that's wonderful, but we need the full deal. We need all, we need the full counsel of God. 
And so, so, you know, we're born again, but we need to continue to receive God's grace and forgiveness after we're saved. That's true. But, but this comment on this, this heading I read, it says, the four living creatures are described in the book of Ezekiel and Revelation. Each creature has the face of a man, an ox, a lion, and an eagle. And the representation in this teaching is, is the eagle represents worship. I want to talk about that today in these next few weeks, Lord willing. The lion represents prayer. You have certain churches that the, the name of the church is prayer or house of prayer, or, and they focus on prayer. Very, very powerful. The man represents grace and the Lord Jesus Christ. The ox represents servanthood and humility, and so there's certain churches you go in, and, and they're really big on service, and, and everyone's doing something. They have a role, and they know that they are God's instruments of worship through service. How many follow me? Say amen. And so... All of them. We need to not just focus on one. We need to focus on all of them. But at times and seasons, the Spirit of God will place upon me, Pastor, Mike, uh, kid, son, you need to talk about this. So I want, I want my body to receive in this area. And so even though we have all types of various backgrounds here and people from, you know, different religious backgrounds and, uh, uh, you know, as believers were born again, how many know that the standard is the Word of God? Amen. So I don't bring my experience and the word down to my experience. I, I, I rise to what the word says for my life. So that's my standard. That's my goal. That's what I shoot for. If I'm not there today in that, I'm going to trust the Lord. He's going to carry me. And so each church needs to uh, have all of these involved in, 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 and that's like, I think, a balanced, healthy, vibrant church. So how many kind of see that? Say amen. I know that was just a quick, just a little bit about a foundation of that. And so that's what brings me to talk about worship. I really sense the Lord is trying to bring us into deeper worship when we come into church. And and I'm not here to beat anybody up or, or put any legalistic, but, but, but worship is very powerful. And the scripture talks about the importance of drawing near. And, and, and as, as believers and disciples, somebody shout disciples. God is calling us from a believer to a disciple. Let me explain. Jesus never requires the same conditions for discipleship that it requires for salvation. For salvation, you got to repent. You got to surrender your life to the Lord. You got to draw near to God. You got to invite Christ into your life. How many with me? You, there, 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 there's a, you know, Jesus says you have to come after me. You got to, you know, there's certain things. You, you, you allow the Spirit of it. It's by grace. We can't save ourselves. We know that. But we have to recognize we need Him King in our life. Amen. But when it comes to discipleship, uh, the only uh, option is if anyone chooses to come after me. So we can be believers, but not disciples. I'm going somewhere. And so, so you could be born again, you know the Lord, but you're not a disciple. You're just living your life for yourself. You love the Lord, you can die, you're going to heaven. But a disciple, the Bible says, it says, if, if anyone comes to me, it's an if. He's not going to force this on you. You can live your whole life doing your own thing as a believer. You're not a disciple. That's not, I don't mean that to be a heavy, but Jesus is talking about that requirement is if. You say, you know what? I want to heed the call for my life. I want, to, I want to discover what the gifts are in my life, and I want to become a disciple. I feel the Lord's bringing us to a new level, even in that. It says this in Luke 14, 26. Watch this. If anyone comes to me, 
And he goes on, he says he must, he uses this word, hate his father, his mother, what? His wife, his, his, you know, everything, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. What? This is nuts. He or she cannot be my disciple. Actually, in the Greek, that word hate actually means to love less. It actually means to esteem less, uh, to elevate one's value over another. Okay? It actually means to love someone or something less than someone or something else. How many know that Jesus should be priority in our life? So even, even as much as I love my wife, Jesus is the Lord. Okay, amen. And even though I love my kids, you know, you lay down your life for them, I got to love God more than my kids. See, because I can't really love my kids truly if I don't love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. It's priorities. Okay, when you stand before the Lord, it's not going to be you, your family, and everyone else with you coming in entourage. You're going to stand before the Lord yourself. Amen. Oh, I don't know why this seems very simplistic, but it seems deep that it's coming across. I don't know. <clears throat> but he says uh, it actually means to renounce one's choice in favor of another. So when he uses the word hate, he's not talking in an evil sense to hate. I remember we were in Japan, and I actually, I think maybe Kathleen was on this trip. And, you know, in Japan, if you get on the wrong train, you're lost for life. Like, it's like, a, you know... <laughs> One time, I think I shared this before, Ron was like, this is the train we get to get on. And, and she, the door opened, and she stepped in, and I was still kind of, no, I don't think it is. The door started to close. <laughs> and I went, no, I said, it's the wrong one. And she's in the train. And I pried the door open, and I pulled her out. If the door's closed, she'd still be on the train today as an old woman, you know. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know where that train's going. Where is that train going to stop? Anyhow, so we're in Japan, and the short of it is we spoke in this church, and uh, there was a lot of servicemen and women that were from America, or through, even through Australia, and they, 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 married, they married the locals, uh, the nationals there in Japan. So many of them had wives that were Japanese, and so they were in Shinto religion, uh, they were into animism, and so the, the husband is a believer, but the wife is not. And they came to this church. And I met one of them, and he was actually one of the leaders, and he was in the Air Force. And he said, well, my wife, we've been praying for her for 10 years. She's, you know, she wants nothing to do with Christianity. I'm like, why did you marry her in the first place? You mean you're a believer? Anyhow, <clears throat> there's a lot of questions here. But, but uh, you know, I was like, well, so I shared and spoke, and I just felt this urge. It was drawn to her. Rhonda was there, and, and I just began to share the gospel, and she's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with Christianity because Jesus tells you to hate your parents. I said, you find that in the Bible where Jesus, and I know where she was going with this. She said, well, I'm supposed to hate my parents, and they really honor and revere ancestors, right? It's huge. I said, no, 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 no. I said, Jesus is saying putting the parents in the right priority. He commands you to love them. The moment I said that, she got it was like the carpet got pulled out from underneath her. And she began to, and I think in her own words, was like, 
something like drops or whatever this wetness keeps getting. She's crying. She's sobbing. So in her own Japanese way, she's trying to explain what's happening to her. And the Spirit of God came upon this woman. And in that moment, I said, you know what? What do you have to lose? Let's pray. And she received Jesus, and she was weeping. So I ran and told her husband. It was the end of the service. And um, the, the, the pastor, uh, he couldn't believe it. And uh, the husband came over, and I said, your wife is born again. They started crying, and, you know, then we moved on, and we did other meetings, and, 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 and I thought about that, and it's like, you know, Jesus needs to be priority in our life. He said, we are still to love our family. Come on, somebody. We are, but he's got to be number one. So when we talk about worship, I want that to be in the forefront of your mind. How many see that say amen? Because sadly, I mean, uh, you know, and I get it, you know, parents, they, and they, when they're young couples and you have a child and it's like, my whole world is that child. My whole world is that child. Well, yes, it is. But God gave you that child. Amen. And, 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 and one day you have to release that child to him. Amen. And sometimes they, you know, they just go sooner than later. <laughs> you know, they grow up and leave. But but point is, is that this whole thing about uh, priorities and alignment. And so I want to talk to you about true worship. True, what is true worship in this next week or two, Lord willing? Uh, one of the main texts I have, there's a few of them, but James 4, 8, familiar passage to, to many of us. Come close to God with a contrite heart and he will come close to you. Here's the first question. Who moves first? Who moves first to God or does God move first to you? There's a cross over there. We've got to get the lights on that thing because I had it for a while, a little dimming low, but get it brighter. But, but, but the cross is where Jesus moved to humanity. Jesus took the first step. 2,000 years ago, that was settled. To think, where are you, God? You don't care. Jesus took the first step. Amen? It says, come close to God with a contrite heart. And he will come close to you. The promise is, is if you move towards God, he will move towards you. 100%. He will. Then it goes on. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people, people that were vacillating. It's really talking about those drawing near, but also not just for the lost, but I believe even for believers, for believers. And so, so why this series? I know I'm doing a lot of intro here, but, uh, you know, how many know life is, is chaotic? It really is chaotic. It's messy, confusing. It's muddled at times. And all of us have an avalanche of issues that are facing us. I mean, just, just you know, watch TV for 10 minutes. There's the political issues. There's the border invasion. There's the global issues. We're in war with Ukraine and a proxy war and in Israel and Yemen, the Houthi rebels and the Red Sea attacks. And, you know, and you say now war possibly with Iran. We are really already at war with Iran. Okay. Uh, it's so, so then there's China and Taiwan and all of that alone is going to majorly stress the average person out. And they are. I'm telling you, they are. People are stressed to the max. And they don't know why they are. They're stressed. They're stressed. 
Then you've got other issues we're facing. There's employment issues. Then there's family and relational issues. And some people, they're faced with sicknesses or a disease, and they've gotten a prognosis. And, or there's maybe a, a spouse issue, and you have, or you have a child that's wayward. And all these things are heavy, all these issues. And when I think about employment, and I think of, you know, even in the natural, too, when I think about there's a housing crisis issue. So many young couples, it really bothers me. So many young couples can't afford a house. It's just, it's nuts in this day and age. You know, I grew up in the 1980s, and I, we, I was faced with that. I know what that's like. I know what that's like. I mean, I was 17 years old, and the medium cost of a house was 64000 64000 could have been a million dollars back then, okay? But, but here's the thing. The interest rate was 18.4% in 1981. Do you hear that? Not 7.6 or whatever it is now. 18.4. And so I resolved as a kid, I am never going to own a house. I've had five houses. <laughs> what I'm going to say is that things will change and turn around. They can if you trust the Lord. But, but, but just in the state that we're in, I mean, a medium house now is 345000 It's like, that's a huge leap. And what that does is stresses couples out, and they're in, they're, 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 gotta work two jobs, and then, and then on top of that, we gotta put the kids in a daycare, and, and that's enormous, the amount of money, and it, it's just, it, it's like a rat race, and so all of this alone, and I get it, I get it, 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 it many times, you know, you, you go to church, or some of you walk or crawl sometimes to church, in the midst of this whirlwind and is emotional and spiritual and all these relational issues. And so the question is, how do we find stability? Where do you go for peace of mind? Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Peace of mind. Wow. I believe stability in this day and age comes through us Number one, yes, seeking God's face, but drawing near. Us having a posture and a mindset that no matter how difficult it gets, no matter what we're going through, we have a place that we can draw near. And Sunday morning is, is, is created by God, not by man. Let me say that again. Sunday mornings are created, an opportunity corporately for God to do a corporate grace in an in, in a, in a outpouring on your life to enable you this whole week. Yes, you to have your private time. Yes, you have your worship time. We talked a little bit about that last week. But Sunday mornings is a time for us to learn to draw near in a unique new way, a vital way of worship. How many with me say amen? So if you, you feel like you're maybe drowning in the chaos, and so I, this morning by the Spirit of God, and I'm appealing to your, your human, your spirit, soul, and your body to choose in this moment and then every Sunday morning when we come together and we begin to worship to do maybe what you feel like you don't want to do or do the least is to worship God. To commit at least to worshiping God and what that means. I'm going to talk about that. Why? Because true worship pushes back chaos. Come on, true worship pushes back the insanity. True worship gets your head above the tsunami of what's going on and actually pulls you towards God's presence. And in God's presence, you can see clearly. 
You make right decisions in God's presence. <laughs> you, you don't marry the wrong person in God's presence. Can I get an amen? You hear clearly. You take the right. You invest in God's presence in the right way. <laughs> whatever, whatever it may be. You buy things. You purchase things through being in God's presence. How could that be? I mean, what are you talking about? Sunday morning, I come and I go to work. I'm on the road or whatever. God's presence wants to follow with you throughout the day. And so these overwhelming moments in life that should drive us to worship and uh, uh, even more than the quiet times. Usually this is what happens when things are going good and smiling and the sun, some, some one of these days the sun's gonna shine again, you know. But you know what? Hey, we need to rejoice at this weather. <laughs> Thank you. Overshout all those that wanted three feet of ice to drive out on the lakes. <laughs> I love it. I was just like, uh, you know, no matter how I get, I walk outside and it's all melting. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Th thank you, thank you that that ice uh, salt bag is full. Thank you, Lord. We, I think we had three feet of snow last year at this time. Amen. <laughs> we just pushed that back. This is, watch this, John 4, 23, John 4. But a time is coming that already is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit from the heart. Now watch this. The inner self, and in truth, because it says it says God is seeking such people. Why is He seeking such people? It's why we were created with a free will, salvation. We can be born again, and then now we can worship Him in spirit and in truth to be His worshipers. And we're going to touch on something here in a moment about why should we even worship. But Psalm forty-three, uh, and I'll, I'll get into this, Lord willing, next week. God has put a new song in my mouth. Many will hear it and will fear and will trust in the Lord. I'm going to talk about that, Lord willing, next week. So here's the question. Why do you even worship God? Do you ever think about that? Come to church? Why? You know, I know it's something as Christians, it's what we do. It's part of maybe tradition and Sunday service. I know it's written about in the Bible, and, you know, we probably should. And when we worship, we learn, you know, uh, there's the preaching and teaching. We learn about theology, and there's traditions we pass on that we want for our kids, concepts about God. And, and, and you know, there's a, there's a component that it's unifying many times. It's empowering, and we sing together to the Lord. But, you know, those are all good reasons to worship. But those reasons, watch this, they exist outside of you. The real reasons for worship must exist within your heart. There's a difference. So once again, why should we worship God? Scripturally speaking, there are many reasons why you should. But the most important question, and I want to just pose this to you this morning, is do you even really want to worship God? Do, do you really even want to? Just think about that. I mean, what's really the point of worshiping God? <laughs> and I think the worst misconception, especially in this day and age, as the church has advanced te with technology and, and, you know, there was a day that for this to be broadcast up here, when we started this church, it was an overhead. Did you remember that? You, 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 and you had to make sure, and the guy had three fingers and one was lost, when he flipped the, you know, it's upside down. I, I, that wasn't too long ago, okay? You know, and, and, and so, so what's really the point of worship? And I think this misconception is that, that some, watch this, please hear me, you gotta hear this, that worship is, 
is it's for the benefit of the believer. Just deal with, hold on for a moment. When your presumption is that worship is God's gift to you, uh, that you should come ready to receive from him or, or experience him, I believe we're going to walk away disappointed many times. And that's what happens in a lot of churches. It's like, what was that all about? What, 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 what was all that about? And here's the thing. If you get anything today, get this. The primary pers- purpose of worship is for you, me, to minister to the Lord, not for him to minister to you. If anything, retweet that, whatever, I don't know, post that, write that on. and you, That is the primary purpose of worship to God. When we come on Sunday mornings, because that really changes things in my posture, in my mindset, when it's time to worship. Otherwise, if we don't have that, when we come to church, we're going to just kind of stand behind that chair, hang on to it like it's like an anchor or something, and just kind of go, well, okay, we're here. And whoop, they had a wrong note on that one. <laughs> they, they hit the wrong key on that one. Uh, that's off key or what? No, the primary purpose is for us to come, regardless of what happens up here, is for us to worship God. We're here, Lord, speak. How me with me say amen. Now, will God minister to you when you worship? Absolutely. Of course he does. But that is not the why we worship. And so we don't want to confuse the purpose of praise and worship with the perks of praise and worship. Can I get an amen? And God has many blessings built into the obedient sacrifices of worship. He does. But we don't come into worship seeking his hand. We come into worship to seek his face. That's why we come. Do blessings and benefits come when we truly worship God? Yes, What happens is God, yes, he lifts us above the haze of chaos and we begin to see from heaven's perspective and how God is working in and through our life. Just one verse to help solidify that in Genesis 22, 17, the Bible says, in blessing, watch this, in worship, I will bless you. So as you bless the Lord, God blesses you. It's right there, that's just one of many. That means as you minister to the Lord, blessing and worship, he is faithful to minister to you. And actually, it opens up the the gates, I should say it this way, of, of praise in worship. And so our worship enables, it empowers, and invites the Lord to come close, to, to bring his mighty presence in a whole different way than if you experience it otherwise, you, without through worship. And let me just say this, worship creates two fascinating spiritual conditions in our life. Worship creates a place for the Lord to dwell, and that's what we want. We want God to be able to be where he is drawn near and he desires to dwell around us, and not just on Sunday morning, but in our houses, our homes, with our kids, at work, in our workplace. That can happen. And then worship opens the gates to his own inhabitation where you can freely enter. The Bible talks about entering his gates. Entering his gates. And we know that the primary way that we know the Lord is through the word of God. But here's the thing, once again, many believers, they even get that. And here's sadly, sometimes people come to church, I don't mean it's mean or ugly, 
but I mean, it's a testimony of growth. Some people come to church for years, and then after years, they decide, oh, I think I need a Bible. I need to start reading it. Praise the Lord. That's good. Amen? But we're just like, oh, okay, we need to do that on a consistent basis. Yes, to grow as a disciple. Amen? And so, but the Bible talks about gates, and there's, there's the outer court, then there's the inner court, and then there's the Holy of Holies, where the priest went once a year to atone. This is a spiritual picture. In the outer courts, I look at it as the lobby at church here. What is happening out there? Hey, you know, hi, good to see you. You know, well, you know I was thinking of what I, people are connecting, and that's good. Amen? Then, you know, you kind of come in, migrate in into the church service before service, uh, you're here in the, in the place of where it's worship, and we have a, an inner court, and, and that's, you know, where the Bible talks about the Levites, and the priests were there, and they orchestrated, but, but then the Holy of Holies was a place only for the high priest. So in other words, none of you all could enter into that before Christ. But after Christ, that temple curtain was ripped in two that was about a foot thick, and now... The Holy of Holies has come to each and every one of you in your heart. So when we come in, it's all of us together worshiping with the Holy of Holies. We're entering in freely into that place of worship. How many see that say amen? When they would go to Jerusalem, they would sing psalms and, and hymns, and they would quote them. That's where the psalms came from because you always go up to Jerusalem because it's up on a hill. And they would go up the steps. They would sing. So when we come into God's presence, we enter with praise and thanksgiving. That means it's okay to clap. Not to stay like a fixture. It's okay to clap in church. <laughs> Amen. And it's, it's actually okay to lift a hand. I, I know, I know this is stressful for some people, but it's okay to lift a hand because the Bible says lifting up holy hands. As we worship in praise, what we're doing, we're entering, we're entering his gates with thanksgiving. And so in our hearts, no matter regardless you feel, and there's things that, that we're all faced with that are heavy. And what I do is I make a conscious decision. You know what? I'm going to enter into his presence right now. And I'm going to do that through praise. Lord, I praise you. I honor. I worship you. And, and we just thank you. We exalt you here in this moment, Lord. And I'm, what I'm going to do, and I'm rising above it. I'm rising above it. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> you know, if you think about it this way, if you had a friend over your house every day, and, you know, you're going to get to know them. Uh, <clears throat> but an even better, when you go spend time with them at their house. How many know what I mean? You see what they have. You spend time in their living room and their kitchen. And, and the more comfortable in your own home, uh, we all are comfortable in our own home. But, but when you go to someone else's house and you become comfortable there, you get to know it. You get to know that person more. It's the same way with our Heavenly Father. John 17, 3 and 4, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom we have sent. And I have glorified you on the earth. First Peter 3.18, Peter affirms this connection between worship and knowing the Lord, saying, grow in the grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And we do that through praise and worship in the word of God. Amen? So in conclusion here, um, I just want to, you know, 
when we talk about worship, I had this illustration about a chair I was going to bring up here, but I think I've, I've, I can just use the pulpit here. Entering his gates means that we step out of our comfort zone and we make the first move towards God. I want you that, if anything, grab a hold of that. We make the first move. And I get it, you know, to go to a certain place. And what happens is, you know, people watch people. And they go, well, and I want us to watch God when we come on Sunday mornings. Is that okay? That that's our focus. And Lord, you maybe had a spat with your wife, your spouse. There's this going on and that. There's relationship issues. There's, you know, there's tragic issues. And when we come, we take a moment and say, Lord, I'm going to enter into your presence. I'm going to focus on you. And Lord, when it's time to clap, I'm going to clap. <laughs> Amen. When it's time to lift my hands and worship, I'll lift my hands. If it's time to kneel, you'll kneel. If it's time to dance. Now, I can already get it. Some of you thinking, is Pastor Mike saying he wants all the men to run around the church with banners? You know? Well, I'll tell you what. That sure would be a sight here at this place. No. <laughs> I've been hitting the head with banners. We're not talking about that. But we're a full gospel church. Amen? And we believe in the fullness of the Spirit. And we, can, we are to be able to worship. And so you can have someone that's rejoicing up here, but somebody in the back that's just before the Lord, if they're kneeling and whatever it is, but that we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. And our focus is God. Stand with me if you would, please. I think about the story of the prodigal in Luke 15. This, Jesus is beholding us while we are yet a great way off. And what does that mean? How does that apply for us today? When we come to the church, we come in from the parking lot, into the lobby, then it's time to worship. And I think Jesus is observing. He's observing. He said, look, they came. They got up out of bed. I mean, that's the first step for you to get up. Worship begins when you get up and say, you know, I'm coming to church today. That's when worship begins. You think, well, you know, I'm getting dressed, whatever, and driving. Maybe you have a short commute. Maybe you have a long commute, whatever. That, that you are beginning to worship. You're coming to the house of God. How may with me say amen? And so, so but, but, but Jesus watches that. And, and, and it says that, that when the prodigal was a great way off. Watch this, Luke 15, 20. So the Bible says this, the prodigal. He got into the situation he was in because of himself. How many would just agree about that? Okay? He did it to himself. But sometimes stuff just happens to us. Just because we live in a fallen world. But it says this. It says he. Somebody shout he. He got up. And he came to his father. I just want us to see that this morning by the Spirit of God. That coming into church is not see what you got banned today. Steve maybe missed a few notes on that deal. Maybe he was off. I don't know. But his heart's pure. You know it. Caitlin, I, she's wonderful. Maybe she had a wrong key. What's going on here today? No, no, no. I come to worship. Kids, you settle down, whatever. We're here to worship God. Come on, parents. We're here to worship God. That's what we have back there. So you can have time. That you can make a point and say, Lord, I don't. And some of you come in, maybe you got guilt, condemnation. That's a great time to worship. Well, God's mad at me. He wants nothing to do with me. That's a lie. 
I said, that's a lie. He's, he says, look what the prodigal did. Took, took off from the dad, took his money, spent it all, eating pig's food. And he says, he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, many of you are a long way off. A long way off when you come in on Sunday morning and you come like, Lord, I'm a long, this week, if anyone knew what, and it says this, his father saw him. Hallelujah. God sees you. I said he sees you. You're coming in. He see, he's watching you. He's watching you right now. And he said he has compassion. No judgment. Compassion. And it says this. And, and ran and embraced and kissed him and hugged him. And so then the son stalks off of this litany. I know I did this and I know I did this. Let's slay the fatted calf. Puts a ring on him and a robe. Wait a minute. I'm just unworthy. I'm unworthy. You know what I've been doing? He says, you came. You drew near to me. And I will always draw near to you. You drew near to me. And I will always draw near to you. Come on, every head bowed. Can we lift our hands and worship in this divine moment? In the name of Jesus. Come close to God. Draw near to God. He will come close to you. We, Lord, we want to be a people that doesn't wait. We're not going to wait for you to move. Lord, we are going to move in faith and step out. We're going to be a people that worships you in spirit and truth. And when we come to worship corporately, we will draw near. We will draw near to you. We don't need to get pumped up. We'll come ready. We'll come prepared. We'll prepare our hearts before we even get here to worship you in spirit and in truth, in Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed, he's a pastor. I'm not right with the Lord. I need to get right with Jesus. This is a great day. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Here this morning is like, Pastor, I need to get right. I need to get right with the Lord. I need to draw near. Feel like that prodigal. I've been in the filth, the scum. I've been in the pit. I've been digging a hole and it's getting darker and darker. I'm going deeper and deeper. And the Spirit of God is here to rescue you. What do you need to do? You need to do what the prodigal did. You need to draw near. How do you do that? You repent and you believe the good news. That's you here today with every head bowed and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to lead us in a prayer. A prayer of surrender and commitment afresh and anew. Can we pray together corporately? Say this with me. Say, Jesus... I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Thank you for saving me. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God meant it. You are born again. You are a son now. And you have the power and the ability to draw near to God. He will draw near to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.